This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Some say that arguably he is the best-looking brother in the Morgan family. I'm not sure about that. Others think that he's the best preacher. But to me, he's my one and only, one and only, did I say one and only? He's my one and only brother, Mike, or actually I've got two brothers, haven't I? Come on, Mike, come and share with us. I'm the one that matters. This morning. Good morning. It's a bit loud, if you can take me down a little bit. That'll be fantastic. Can I do this? Because it drives me bonkers every Sunday when somebody else preaches and they're bouncing around all the implements, yeah? Sorry, that's a farming term. What do you call this, Who? What are they? Equipment, sorry. Implements is a farming term. <clears throat> Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I hope he's not going to be too long. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, carry on this morning. Um, From uh, the last few weeks where we've had a message from uh, Ian, week before last, I told Ian, uh, he asked me this morning what you're going to speak on, I said I'm going to mention you a few times, I think I said four times, that's once, I've said Ian twice, that's two times, if I say Ian again, that's three times, Um, but I'm going to continue from where Ian, that's four times, left off, and the week sort of before that where Pastor Phil uh, spoke. Um, Ian spoke about five times uh, financial freedom and to be accountable for it. And Pastor Phil is what's the meaning of life. And all of those we have to be accountable for ourselves. But before I share this morning, and it's quite apt that uh, Philip or Pastor Phil started with what he said this morning, saying that I am the best brother. Because I need you all to understand one thing this morning. Perhaps Pastor Phil can come and stand here for one second. Okay, so for all the visitors who don't know who he is, he is our pastor. Yeah? He's our pastor. Yeah? He's our friend. He's our counsellor. He is everything to us here as a church. Is that right? Yeah? But behind every good man is a great woman as well. Yeah? Yeah, you can take a seat. <laughs> to us, he's our pastor. To Ruth, he's her husband. To Caris and Fion and Sarah, he's their father. To my mother, who's here this morning, he is a son. I had to try to think then, because I call him a sister, so there we are. But to me, he's my pastor. He is my mentor, don't tell him that, don't want his head to get too big, but he is my mentor, seriously there. But above all, he is family, he is my brother. And there's one thing you must understand about a sibling relationship, is that one always tries to do better than the other. How many of you got brothers or sisters and you always try and get one up on each other? Yeah, come on, be honest, hands in the air, right up in the air. Yeah, you always got to get one up on each other. You see, I have played tennis with my brother. 
We've played football together. We've played rugby together. I've played squash, or we've played squash together. Up until last year, we've sort of uh, wavered a bit in the summer. I normally leave him one t- win two or three games so that he continually comes back to play squash. Um, we've played badminton together. He won't play badminton with me because he knows he will lose every single time. We've played petrol pumps together. Now, you can laugh about that, but my two boys knows what petrol pumps are, okay? And ask them after what that is. We've even played fish and chips together. I was the age of seven the last time I played fish and chips. I'm not being funny, Phil. You've got to stop asking. You're 45 years of age. (laughs) You know, that's sort of something in the past. Even one of my staff who came on a Tuesday night that Mark organises football when we were inside, and going back years now, Mark, when we played inside for five-a-side football, he came this one time because we'd asked him to come and play football, and Mark may remember the incident where both Philip and myself were on opposite teams, that's what Mark normally does just for the fun, and basically we came head-to-head on a particular uh, instance, and the person in work vowed he would never, ever come back to play football again because it was too competitive. So you get the picture. Do we get the picture this morning? Yeah? We get the picture. But those who really know Philip, or Pastor Phil this morning, knows that he loves his books. Yeah? The greatest book of all he loves is this one. And he shared this morning how, how, how it's been instilled from my father uh, uh, the, to read the book and to memorize verses in the Bible. But he likes his books. Anyone who knows him knows he likes to quote books, doesn't he, Mark? Yes. <laughs> he loves to quote, like this one said that, and in this book Bill Heibel said that, or, or what's the church of Saddleback again? What's the pastor of Saddleback? Rick Warren said this yeah, in his book, such a such a. He likes his book. Funnily enough, he gave me a uh, few years ago a certain book. He gave me this, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He gave me this book. This is not the actual book he gave me. This is a hardback version. Philip bought the softback because it was cheaper. Um, but this is a hardback version that I bought for myself because um, I didn't... Well, I've given that one away. And he asked me a few weeks after if I'd read the book, and I avoided the answer. I've avoided the answer ever since. Because I didn't want him to know, just for the fun of it, that I'd actually read the book. Actually, Anne is smiling right at the back and giggling to herself, because I gave her my copy, and I says, Anne, this is a fantastic book to read, but please don't tell Philip that you got it from me, and please don't tell him that I read it. So, Phil, I've read the book. So, this is a f- one of Philip's uh, books that he's handed out once, not this particular one. So, who wants a book? <laughs> we always give it to this side. Okay, so I'm going to give it to this side. Okay, I'm very sorry, the gentleman there, but the lady behind you was far quicker than you were. Yeah? So, perhaps you'll give that to Barbara. Someone will pass it over to Barbara. I asked uh, Philip this week to actually give me his top ten books. Um, He hasn't sent it over to me yet, um, so it's no good uh, now, Phil, so you can just delete the email I sent you. But one of the books that he has bought me in the past um, is... uh, uh, Well, actually, shall I show you the top ten books that he's read? 
Yeah? Okay, so, so one of his uh, favourite books was The Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, in the top ten that he sent me. Um, of late, it's his number two on his seller list, is uh, the Wix Bible. Anybody want a book? Who? You're going to build a house. Where's who? Who needs that? Somebody give that to who. He needs a Wix. Good catchback. But one of his best books that he likes is this one. Have you heard him quote that book? From Good to Great. Sorry, Philip, I haven't read the book. But I've read the first bit and the last bit, and you can just normally fill in the blanks in between. Um, it's, it's about a study on a number of companies uh, that when, were not just good companies, but they were great companies. They, were, uh, they, they had done something unique, and the, the Jim Collins, the guy who's written it, and, uh, uh, is the person who's trying to find out why have they gone from good to great, which got me thinking about our Christian lives. Does God want us to have a good life? No, I don't think he does. He wants us to have a great life. He wants us to have an awesome life. It's on the text which I'm going to share, or one of them today from Corinthians. We are in this race or this, this journey and race the Bible is it's from Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23 and 25. You can follow it on the screen. It says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, uh, that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This talks to me about a great race. Running to win a prize. A prize that is not just a silver thing. Because that's what running in a good race is to me you just get a little medal but a great race means we're running to get something far bigger we're running to get a reward that is right at the end that doesn't rust it doesn't like decay it's something I mean something that will last forever but it says in our passage we must go into strict training and we all know what that training is it's reading our bible God's word which probably I'm praying which I'll put my hands in the air is one of the hardest disciplines as a Christian that I find. And if you find somebody that makes it really easy, can you send them to me so they can tell me what they're doing? Because this is the hardest thing I find to do. So we have to go into that strict training to, to, to read the Bible, to pray, to attend plus, to attend church like we are this morning instead of listening on podcast, as important as that is. But we are running a race of our lives. Because one day in Corinthians 2 verse 5 to 10, the second bit of, of, of my text this morning is because sooner or later, we'll all have to face God regardless of our conditions, circumstances or situations. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, as a result of my actions, either good or bad. These both texts are talking about a race. They're talking about a journey, the journey of our lives. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're good or bad, I could sum these two passages up in one word this morning and the title of my message. And that one word this morning would be responsibility. You may not like what I've got to say this morning, but I'm going to say it out anyway. It may be a little bit of shock and awe, you know. We all hear that with the Iraq war. But the fact remains, 
you and only you must take responsibility for your life. Yeah? You and only you must take responsibility for it. You can't expect the government. We can't expect our parents. We can't expect our friends, our classmates, our husband, our wife, our children, or our work colleagues. You and you alone must take responsibility. I'm not saying that they can't influence you. We heard a great message from email, uh, from Ian, that's sex, the other week when he spoke to his daughter after she got a job and said, perhaps you should put £300 or £400 into a bank account because you don't have a house. He influenced it, but she had to take responsibility to actually go and do it. So in my simplistic way this morning, I've taken the word responsibility and I've broken it into two elements this morning. And the first element is blame. Everyone say blame. Blame. Someone is to blame. Our society drives that. You know, I've been in business 26 years now, and I've seen a Labour government, a Tory government, no, a Tory government, a Labour government, a, 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 a coalition government. We now have a Tory government. We have Plaid or Labour running the Welsh Assembly. We have different people running different councils. Whether it's BMP, Lib Dem, SNP, Plaid Cymru, I don't care. Not one of them will take responsibility. They all blame each other. They blame the, 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 the coalition came in and blamed the Labour government. We're here now with a, with a coalition government and now they're blaming some of the Liberal stuff. We all blame each other. They never take responsibility because we live in a blame culture. There's no such thing as an accident anymore. Or is it just me that thinks that? Blame, blame, blame. We are conditioned to blame others. We blame our genetics. Maybe the environment, economic circumstances. Maybe you blame your parents for some of your failures. Maybe you blame God. Blame, blame, blame. Maybe it's a case of you're turning to me and you're sitting there this morning and you say, but Mike, you don't understand my circumstance. You know, you just, if you understood my circumstance, then you know why I would blame this one or blame that one. I'm not being funny. There are millionaires on this planet who have had worse starting off circumstances than we have had. Did you know that? Actually, I thought I'd put a few pictures up this morning. So I'll put this guy up. This is Nick Vidic. Anyone know of him? Yeah, seen him? Anyone watch the TV program Without Limits the other week on Sky? fantastic program yeah this is a guy who's got no arms he's got a flipper as he calls it okay and he preaches and he's so positive and everything i don't see any of you with sort of a life circumstance like that this morning put this guy up one of my mother's favorite david ring to those of you who don't know who he is and have never seen him i'll tell you a lot of people don't realize who david ring is um David Ring uh, preaches and, uh, to, to thousands across the world. This is quite an old picture, actually. And his opening message is, I've got cerebral palsy, what's your problem? 
That's his opening message. And if you want reality, that is reality. Actually, I was only sharing with Pat this morning that he was put on a metal trolley in the hospital for 40 minutes when he was born because they thought he was a dead baby. Any of you spent 40 minutes on a trolley thinking that you were a dead baby? Actually, it's all right to put these up here, but I thought this morning I'd bring it back to reality. So I'd bring it right back this morning, and I'm going to pick on Pat Hannigan this morning. Those of you who don't know, Pat hasn't always been in a wheelchair. Actually, Pat uh, got, and we'll have to have your testimony one day, I said that this morning, Pat, at the age of nine, got polio. And she walked on crutches for a while until uh, I think the last 25 years you shared with me this morning that uh, you've been in a wheelchair. I don't see anyone else with that issue or that uh, circumstance. I've been real this morning. Actually, let's do a little thing. Can you put your hands up if you've ever done a parachute jump? Oh, we have two here this morning. We have Pat who has done a parachute jump and a lady over there. You can do anything. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming your circumstance. I thank God for Pat, because if you come here on a Thursday and see what goes on, or if you're wondering how toilet roll, how coffee lands up in this place, how things... She is in the backgrounds here. Well, not always in the backgrounds. She is the engine room, uh, or one of the people that makes up the engine or the cog of this church. And I think she deserves a round of applause this morning. So don't tell me about your circumstance. The big question I want you just to think for a moment is this. And to ask yourself, is there a painful situation in your life that you are in and blaming on a certain person or situation outside yourself? I'm going to repeat that question again. Is there a painful situation in your life that you are blaming on a certain person or situation outside yourself. It's been said if a man cuts his finger off while slicing salami at work, he blames the faulty equipment. If a man smokes three packets of cigarettes a day for 40 years and dies of lung cancer, he blames the tobacco company. If a man crashes into a tree while driving home drunk, he blames the alcohol. If the children or the grandchildren are brats without manners, we blame the television or the school teachers. I'm one of those people who I like God to confirm certain things to me. And last night I just had a glance on Facebook before uh, going to bed and I saw this, which was quite uh, apt for this morning on Facebook, which shows 1969 explain the bad grades, where today explain the bad grades and we're blaming the teacher. Quote I heard in the last couple of weeks, the man that complains about the way the ball bounced is normally the one that dropped it. The man that complains about the way the ball bounced is normally the one that dropped it. Your life is your responsibility. Stop blaming others. It's only when you take full responsibility of your life is when you actually do something about it. When you blame somebody else, 
It actually means you expect somebody else to change your life situation. It means you are waiting for the other person to redeem you of your problems or to change your problems. Why do you and why do we think that? It isn't their life, it's yours. I'm saying it as it is this morning, I'm sorry, or actually I won't make an apology. If you think about it seriously, it's actually your fault that you may be not happy. It's your fault that you're not taking these great opportunities. And it's your fault for letting another person take advantage of you. We talked uh, a couple of weeks ago in our plus group. And uh, Sally shared, she was uh, sharing on uh, self-control. And she shared about an issue that she had with chocolate biscuits. uh, Or chocolates, she corrected me this morning, known as biscuit gate. And she had this issue where... um, she had a real problem where she couldn't eat one biscuit. She had to eat all the chocolate. She had to eat the pack. Yeah? Sounds like a good problem to have, really. But, <laughs> but, but it was a real issue. Yeah? And it wasn't until she actually took responsibility for herself and she decided that she needed to do anything about it and she asked God for help and self-control that she could deal with it. Ian Morgan spoke about finances seven times uh, the other week. If we do some stupid decisions and take a bank loan that we can't afford out to buy a car that's too expensive for us to keep and insure, stop blaming the bank. Stop trying to claim on PPI to get some sort of money back for your stupidity. We just need to wake up and smell the coffee and take responsibility. So everyone say responsibility. You see, our lives is a direct response to the way we treat ourselves as a person. Everything you have in your life or do in your life is a manifestation of how you treat yourself. It's not how somebody else treated you or what somebody else has done. The truth is, we don't like to admit it. Don't like to admit when we're wrong. Don't like to admit when we're caught. We like to shift the blame to somebody else. If you've been stopped for speeding and your wife opens the uh, uh, slip at home, what's the first thing you do? You don't put your hands up and say, I was caught speeding. You actually come up with some sort of excuse. Like, oh, it's my new car, and I didn't realize it's so soundproofed. It's like, I didn't realize I was going that speed. We try and blame somebody else. Or we blame the signage. Well, there wasn't clear signage on the road. We don't take responsibility. We try and blame someone else. Even my son, round the dinner table, actually turned round the other week and said, some speeding limits are stupid. Those are his exact words. And this comes from somebody who had never been in a car, never sat in a car, never driven a car, and hadn't even passed his test or done anything. What a stupid thing to say. We corrected him on that, and he said, well, Dan said so. (laughs) So it's either a lie or he's passing blame, one or the other. But he tried to justify it and then realized it was a completely stupid thing to say. You know, I thank God for being brought up on a farm because you lot will be lost with all our illustrations that we have as, as, as a family. But Pastor Phil, 
our pastor, the person we look up to in this church, the person who is our confidant, the person we, we share all our deepest innermost in thoughts with and our issues and our problems. Growing up, I got all the blame. <laughs> he would cut hay, hay, hay bales with a knife for the fun of it. And I would get the blame. He would smash the three-wheeler motorbike. I would get the blame. It was my fault. I put the gate post there. It was always my fault. He would go into the lovely shed where dad had had oh, fertilizer delivered. Shed loads of it. And my brother would go and our pastor would go and he would slice the fertilizer with a knife and a fork because it made pretty little fertilizer fountains from top to bottom all the way and who would get the blame no it's worse than that who would get the blame me do you know he went over a little bit of an edge and started getting involved with church in the little church we went to and we used to go there weekly and oh he'd be there praising God during worship time the sermon time would come Philip would go to the toilet he would go to the toilet and he would go around all the cars and he would take petrol caps off (laughs) the cars and he would throw them into the river and then come back in and listen to such a fantastic sermon he did this week after week after week. And my dad had figured out that it was him. But he said it wasn't him because he looked like my cousin and he blamed my cousin. <laughs> Our pastor blamed other people. You're okay this morning because the pastor's sitting there. Your cars and your petrol caps are safe this morning. But we try and excuse our behavior and lessen the guilt and even the consequence of our sin when we blame others. What we need to understand is regardless of how much we blame others, it will not change our life. Regardless of how much we blame others, it will not change our life. But the less you blame others, the more you will exercise greater intuition and greater judgment about what's really going on. It means that we must start to rely on ourselves to determine our outcomes in life. And break through adversity with God's help. When we get into that mindset and understand that this is a powerful place to be. When we're there and we say, okay, I'm taking responsibility this morning. God, I need your help this morning. I'm here and I am no longer going to blame other people for where I am. You have to take the first step because it's called such a thing as free will this morning. So I want to ask you a question. Are you in charge of your life outcomes? Of course you are. Can you personally make things better in your situation? Of course you can. How can you take better responsibility? And become better. We're all here. Ask God. Ask Christian friends to come and help you. You know when we get to that place of starting to take responsibility. And stop blaming other people. That is the first element of responsibility. The second one is consequences. For every decision we take in life. They all come with consequences. 
If I, this morning, decided to go and eat four uh, 300-calorie chocolate biscuits at breakfast, that's 1,200 calories, and I did that at lunchtime, and I did that at tea time, and I did that at supper time, and I landed up eating thousands of calories, yeah? Say 10,000 calories a day, sort of 8,500 more than what you should. Then it's going to... I'll be sick, yeah? And there's, there's, there's basically what's going to happen. I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get fatter than I am today. It's simple science. It comes with a consequence if I eat those biscuits. If I don't manage my finances well, or marry a Scots girl, I will get into debt, Ian Morgan. Eight times. One of the greatest business lessons I ever learned was right at the beginning when both Philip and myself, when we started the business, and we decided to buy a shed load of stock. It was a bargain. It was this, that. Oh, it was amazing. Until we found out that it was a dud bit of stock. We spent 25000 and if you accumulate it to what it is in this, in, in this day and age, that's £45,000. I was 18, Philip was 20. The biggest lesson I ever learned. We made the decision. We didn't blame anyone else, but we had to put up with the consequences of our decision. If you fancy a girl in work, or you fancy a guy in work who's married, and you're married, and you make that decision to take it further... You will maybe land up breaking the whole family apart, landing up with a divorce, or whatever. These are real issues with real consequences. Do you know they're not new? If you go to Genesis, and I'll read the passage from Genesis for a second, about Adam and Eve. When the woman saw that the fruit, you can follow it on the screen, when the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord come in, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid uh, hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the woman sa- uh, God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you um, above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put anonymity between you and the woman and between you and your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will will strike his heel. And he goes on to say that the woman will will suffer in childbirth, etc., etc. This is Adam and Eve. The first real failure on this earth. God gave him an awesome joint, didn't he? Yeah, an awesome place to live. Told him not to do one thing. It's like sticking wet paint. Do not touch on a bench. This morning. It's like putting chocolate cake or half a birthday cake on the worktop at home when you've got young children saying, don't eat any of it. Or this morning, it's like coming round the communion table and asking everyone to be still. And the two little boys behind me, next to Gail, decide to go 
and see who could be loudest. I thought that was classy this morning. It was very apt. Do not touch. These are real situations, real consequences that we see Adam and Eve here. What happens? Adam blames Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. We see this in the, uh, the passage of scripture. Because none of them took responsibility. They blamed each other, blamed the, ser- ser- blamed the serpent. But they had to live with the circumstance or the consequence of that decision, I mean. And so are we, all these years later, dealing with that consequence. It's an undeniable truth that man or woman can choose his or her sin, but not his consequence. Thing is, we can never do wrong in doing right. Galatians 6 verse 7, do not be, be deceived. God cannot be mark, mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, as I wrap up this morning, what I'm trying to convey is that we need to take responsibility. We need to stop blaming other things or people or circumstance. Because every decision we have comes with a consequence. Joshua Charles Stamp, and I love this quote, says this, It is easier to dodge our responsibilities, but we cannot dodge the consequences of dodging our responsibilities. Because God doesn't want us to have a good life. He wants us to have a great life. Kev Johns posted this on Thursday on Facebook. He said, I love this quote. If you want to achieve greatness, stop asking permission. Because we are on this journey. And you don't have to ask to be great. You just need to take it. You just need to get into God's word. You need to run that race. We need to train. We need to take responsibility. We need to stop blaming others. Understand the consequences of every decision that we make. Because Corinthians 2 says, and what I started with, is that one day we will stand before God and be accountable for what we've done, whether good or bad. What I want us to do today is to take responsibility. I just want every eye just to close for a moment. Just close your eyes. And I just want you to focus on yourself this morning. I want to challenge you if you're unsaved here this morning. You may have been in countless services up and down this land and in different things. Maybe even in this church. But you've always had an excuse. You've always blamed your husband, your, your wife, your child, your mother, what they will say, what he will say, what she will say, what the work colleagues will say. But it's time this morning for you to take responsibility. It's just about you for a moment. Because one day you're going to have to stand before God and you can't blame anyone else at that point. We know how, and, and Pastor Phil shared it this morning, about how God came 2,000 years ago, died on that cross for our sin. 
So the challenge to you this morning is will you accept God into your heart and to your life? Because it's time for you to take responsibility. I'm saying it as it is and I will make no apology. Because you can't turn to God and say, sorry. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you did believe. Maybe you did have a faith and you've fallen away from God. That's the challenge to you, because you will have to be accountable for that, and it's time for you to take responsibility. Or maybe you're the last person who has a faith, but you always blame everyone else. I challenge you to take responsibility. While every head is bowed, and eye is closed. I just, I don't, I'm not going to make any, any uh, fuss or anything. I just want you just to stand where you are. And Pastor Phil will come and pray. I'm not going to prolong it. I would rather nobody stand than you stand for no reason. So come on, take responsibility this morning. ask Pastor Phil just to come and pray but I'm going to finish with that text in Corinthians sooner or later we'll all have to face God regardless of our conditions we will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions either good or bad This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.